Hey Queen! Welcome to another episode of Is This Movie, You Know, where we talk about movies that are significant to the LGBTQIA community and view them through a gay lens. Then we discuss whether or not the movie is, you know, gay. I'm Fernando. I'm Josh. And we are your gay co-hosts. As always, make sure that you're following us on social media. We are at isthismovieyouknow.pod on Instagram and isthismovieyouknow on Facebook. You can also email us at isthismovieyouknow at gmail.com. You can expect the casual mention of same-sex intercourse and the occasional curse word to be dropped here and there. Like darn. Shucks. Wiener. Mitch McConnell. And fucking. So we hope you're ready. Because this podcast is about to get... Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode. We are talking today about Dallas Buyers Club. Dallas Buyers Club. Um, how many times have you watched this movie? Um, four, I think. Four. Yeah. Did you see it in theaters? I did. I saw it when it came out in theaters. I remember it came out like November 2013. I don't remember who I saw it with probably with my parents, but, um, yeah, no, I remember I enjoyed it, and then with each subsequent viewing, I've enjoyed it a little bit less. A little bit less. I remember actually watching it twice in theaters. Oh my goodness. Um, the first time, I believed I watched it with my dad, um, and the second time, because my sister didn't go with us, I was like, oh my god, this movie's stunning, I cried, as gay people, you should totally watch it, um, and she did, but um, back then I really liked it. And since then, I think I've watched it a couple more times. Um, and kind of like you, I'm like when you know when the nominations happened, we're gonna skip ahead a little bit. But you know, this movie <laughs> has that one thing where like both, you know, the two big roles in the movie, you know, were rewarded with an Oscar. I was like, work, like you know, like this is really great. And like I don't I don't know if I wouldn't not have given them the Oscars, but like I'm like like now looking back I like roll my eyes at the whole at the whole movie really. Um, yeah, it's it's funny because like I feel like this came out twenty years after Philadelphia, and we've done an episode on Philadelphia. If you haven't listened yes. to that, go and listen to that. And I feel that you know in the years since I first saw Philadelphia, I've warmed up to it more. And in the years since Dallas Buyers Club, I've actually liked it less. Philadelphia is, is, is arguably a more straight movie. I would highly disagree with that. I think this is a straighter movie. But if anything, I think that, you know, my criticisms during the Philadelphia episode were that if they try to present the world's clean as homosexual, you know, like, they try to, like, show how AIDS is a misfortune of even the best of people. This movie, I feel like it's the nightmare of every gay kid's parent when they come out. You know, like, usually oh it is God, when you yeah. come out, they're like, oh my God, you're going to get AIDS and die, which is, you know, like, literally, I feel like that's what it is. Like, they think I'm going to be gay, then I'm going to start cross-dressing, then I'm going to start doing drugs, and then I'm going to get AIDS, and then I'm going to die. Um, like, this is literally what this movie is. Um, and not to say that, you know, like, it's not incredibly sad that these scenarios do happen. Well, I think but... also, you know, to compare it to Philadelphia again, I think that, um, I want to take back what I said. 
I don't think that Philadelphia is, is, is any straighter than this. However, I feel like this movie is a lot colder than Philadelphia is. I what feel like, like, like it's like Philadelphia. I felt was was a little bit more preachy and emotional, whereas Dallas Buyers Club is very subtle and very unsentimental. In my opinion, okay. I felt like there were just more emotions in Philadelphia. Personally, heartwarming, heartbreaking. Here, it's kind of like this is the story of a man's life, and it's very much like these are the facts that we want to present. We're not asking you to pass judgment on whether it's right or wrong. This is just what happens in our story. Well, okay, so let's introduce the movie. What is Dallas Buyers Club? So Dallas Buyers Club is a 2013 drama directed by Jean-Marc Vallée, and written by Craig Borton and Melissa Wallach. It takes place in the mid-1980s when HIV-AIDS treatments were under-researched and there was generally a, um, a stigma about HIV and AIDS. And the film is about real person Ron Woodruff, um, an AIDS patient of that time, who smuggled unapproved pharmaceutical drugs into Texas to treat his symptoms. And he distributed them to other AIDS patients by establishing the Dallas Buyers Club. Um, for those who don't know, AIDS Buyers Clubs were formed in the 1980s to pool members' um, collective buying power and allowed them to buy HIV medications that weren't approved by the FDA yet. Um, in this movie, Ron Woodruff is played by Matthew McConaughey, and he teams up with a transgender woman named Rayon, who's played by Jared Leto. Rayon also has AIDS. Um, and she helps him get customers in the LGBTQ community. Um, and Jennifer Garner plays a doctor. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's all character. she does, honestly. She's just like, the test results, blah, blah, blah. How are you doing this? You're smuggling drugs. You know, it's... Um, and, and it should be known, um, the characters of the doctor and Rayon are composite characters. Right. So, whereas Ron Woodruff is a real person... Rayon and the doctor, I'm forgetting her name already, I'm just going to call her Jennifer Garner, um, they're based on many interviews that the screenwriter had with um, people at the time. Which happens a lot in, you know, biographical films. It's, right, right. I'm not going to count this as a fault of the film because somehow you got to find a way to, you know, tell a compelling story. And, exactly, and, exactly. And making up characters that, you know, probably didn't exist right. is, is an effective way. But um, but but the film was in development for like twenty years before it actually got made. Yes. Screenwriter Craig Borton interviewed Ron Woodruff in nineteen ninety two, right before he actually died, and uh, Craig Borton wrote a script, which he later edited with co writer Melissa Wallach. They sold the script, and for a while, so many different actors, directors, and producers were attached to the movie. Like I, um, Woody Harrelson, Ryan Gosling, and Brad Pitt were all going to play Ron Woodruff at one point, but Matthew McConaughey got involved in 2009. Um, there, there was talk of getting Gael Garcia Bernal to play Rayon, but the role went oh. to Jared Leto. And then Hilary Swank was going to be in the film too, possibly as the doctor. I don't really know. Oh, I love Hilary Swank. Me too. Me too. Um, we should do Boys Don't Cry one day. Mm. That one's that one's a little like, uh, you know. But um, oh my god, 
Oh, did you say that um, Ron is, is straight? Oh, no, I well, didn't. Yeah. That's kind of like the... That's kind of like the art part of the film. It's not art, you know. Uh, straight people can and to this day do get AIDS. Um, obviously, like back then, I feel like in general, whenever we do period pieces about the AIDS epidemic, we, you know, we tend to focus on the gay characters just because, you know, yeah. gay cancer and all of that. We've talked about the story of gay and, you know, the gay cancer and AIDS and media and all that stuff. But. Yeah, this like has the the unique distinction that Ron Woodruff is a straight man who starts the movie as a homophobic hillbilly, um, and I don't know if he ends the movie as a non-homophobic hillbilly because they never care to share us that. No, that part of him. and 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 that's what I mean by the movie is kind of cold in that in that regard. It doesn't care about that. It really just cares about like, the drug smuggling aspect of it more so than anything else. Which is odd. Which is odd, but it was a choice. (laughs) It really, like, looking back, it's, like, such a... It's more Soderbergh than Larry Kramer. It is. It it really... It really is. Um, For those who don't know, like, Soderbergh is uh, a director who's, like, made movies like Side Effect and Contagion and... Aaron Brockovich. Aaron Brockovich. Like, he always, like, makes, like, these movies about, like... You know, like impossible stories that are possible. That's that's a very vague, broad way to describe. <laughs> yeah, but it's like very like this story is too unbelievable to be true, and in many cases, you know, they have some element of truth to it. Um, and I think that kind of, I mean, like when I watched it, I was like, "There's absolutely no way that he could smuggle all these drugs and like put them on a plane," which the movie also never fucking addresses. Um, <laughs> Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so I think that, like, it's you kind of say it, the movie is, like, mostly about... Now I feel stupid because the name of the movie is Dallas, Dallas Buyers Club. Club. Which is but, the, like, that's, that's what the movie is about. But, but the thing but, is, after we watch it, everyone just remembers those performances. And they think, oh, those performances remind you of the one or two heartbreaking scenes in the movie right. and you're like oh yes this is an AIDS drama but it's not a typical it's not AIDS really, drama yeah, it's you know? not really it's not if anything it's you know how the FDA is shitty yeah um, this, this, this 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 movie is just like Matthew McConaughey versus the FDA right um, <laughs> oh Jean-Marc Vallée by the way the director is the director of um, Big Little Lies wee oui, wee um, oui. That's where I know the name from. Um, and the movie, I don't think the movie's bad. Um, no, no, not at all. Is it the movie that I remember watching when I watched <laughs> it? It's so weird. It really, it, I really did feel like I've, at points I was like, I feel like I remember more scenes. Like yeah. More emotional <laughs> scenes. I feel like all these like drug shit and him like playing the system. I feel like, like that was never... I know, I know. In I was the, like, really? This is a legal drama now? <laughs> you know, which is like, I feel like the studio was very smart that during campaigns, like, folk, it's a Focus Features movie. Focus Features is very, like, well-versed in, you know, award seasons and stuff. I think they were very smart at portraying it as an AIDS drama. Mm-hmm. Even the trailer, if you watch the trailer, most of it, um, it's a beautiful trailer, um, they have a really emotional song. 
I think it's You Ain't Alone by the Alabama Shakes. I haven't seen it on my Spotify. Um, oh. Yeah. And, but I think, yeah, like, I mean, with that song, they really lean on the emotional aspect of the film. And I remember, um, like, the clips that kept, like, being played over and over when, you know, we were talking about award season. One was Jennifer Garner and Ron Woodruff, played by Matthew McConaughey, when they were at dinner. Yeah, and, yeah. And then he is like, no, she is like, what are we doing here? And she's like, I'm just a simple man taking a woman on a date, or like some shit like that. And the other one is like, for Jared Leto, is the, you know, the one scene. It's the I don't want to die scene. I don't want to die scene. It's the, you know, and like, if, if, like, and I remember that was the scene that they played at the Oscars. Um, yeah. Kind of like him looking at himself in the mirror. So, you know, like, they were really smart at, like, highlighting that. But, like, looking back, that's, like, not even, like... It's not even the movie. Half of the movie. I it's know. Not, it's not that. Can I just say, though, side note, like, whenever I saw, like, the scenes of him and Jennifer Garner at dinner together, I was like, this has to be, like, just, like, a sequel to Ghost of Girlfriend's Past. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey and Jennifer Garner were in a really bad rom-com together in 2009. Called... It's not bad. It's not good. <laughs> it's called Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. It's it's just weird seeing them on screen together and not in that bad movie. Well, the, the other thing that I feel like got the movie off the ground, um, because this movie is, I would say, it for an Oscar film, it's semi-popular. Yeah. Um, oh, for sure. And I think what got it over the edge was the dramatic physical change that Matthew McConaughey put himself through in order uh-huh. to portray Ron Woodruff. He, you know, it's a kind of stocky, I would say, um, man. And in this film, like, I think he was down to, like, how many... I don't even know how many He lost pounds. 50 pounds for the role. He lost, like, 50 pounds for the role. He's, like, skin tea. Um, I feel like whenever he was started filming like the photos came out and everyone was like oh my god he's so like um skinny and like you know like the 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 um straight white boys uh like took a yeah to this movie also like it was the start of the um mcconaissance this like matthew mcconaughey renaissance where right. like suddenly he was getting all these good roles started with like the lincoln lawyer in 2011 and like people were like oh my god are we gonna start taking Matthew McConaughey seriously as an actor and this was kind of like the final step in that so I, so so I, so I think for a lot of people it was this transformation that made the movie so special not just of of Matthew McConaughey but of Jared Leto the singer from 30 Seconds to Mars who doesn't really do that much acting all of a sudden you know Jared Leto comes from relatively out of nowhere loses 30 pounds for the role and, like, stays in character as a trans woman with AIDS for, like, an entire month. Yeah, um, they, like, that's something that agents love to, like, bring up whenever their uh, client does for, like, a movie. Right, but, like, I feel like that was a lot of the allure of Dallas Buyers Club, at least when I first saw it. Like, oh my god, this cis straight man is literally 
living like this. He's method acting. That's exciting Stupid. to us, you know? And then, you know, like, it worked for that movie, and then it didn't work for Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Tell our listeners about about, about that. <laughs> some some of them may not know. Some, some Suicide Squad, Charletta was uh, famously cast as the Joker. He had come off... Um, that was for his club fame, and everyone was like, oh my god, he's such a good actor, he's gonna do an amazing job. Um, and apparently he, like, went a little bit too method for this. Um, he, um, started, like, sending, like, his co-workers used condoms and dead rats on set. Um, and he's, you know, it was, like, just, like, very creepy, and very, like, hashtag hot topic. I don't know. It's, it's a little, <laughs> it's a little much... I will want. I do want to discuss. Um, I've brought it up before the straight savior trope, mm-hmm. which you know it's whenever we have a straight person being kind to a queer character or like, and you know like elevating their moral standing in the film because they are not horrible, and I guess this one's a little bit different because at the end of the day. We said it. It's not really like an AIDS story. It's more so Ron Woodruff's story. And, of course, he just happened to be a straight man. And in general, like, I, I really do think that it's a valuable PSA to be like, you know, like, even straight pe- Like, straight people got AIDS. Straight yeah. people died. Yes. Um, and, and, and it's because a lot of, of straight people started dying that, you know, it became a bigger thing. And, and I'm, it's not that I'm looking to be offended by anything it's it really is because i you know like they're not going to make the character that really existed they're not going to make him gay um but more so like it goes with my thing of like they like turn out the to the max the queerness thing the queerness aspect of it like they had to make rayon played by jared leto a like prostitute doing a heroin um living off hotels it, um, it's kind of like like they threw in the whole kitchen sink for Ryan. right on. Literally, it's like if we're gonna make a composite character, we are just gonna make her the like worst. Like she is about to die the whole film. Like the fact that she makes it to the last thirty minutes of the film is a miracle. Like they really like hammed it up, and you know like it. At first, I really thought that it was because Jared Leto was a good actor. It just, it, now, you know, it really does beg the question. <laughs> is it because, like, Jared Leto doesn't know how to do anything else other than, you know, like, turn it up to the max? Because it's also not a subtle performance. Like, there's that scene of, like... How do I look in this dress, honey? How do I look... Yeah, it's like, he likes <laughs> Bless to, your little heart. And, 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 and then when, when... Jared Leto, like, Rayon gets in the car with Matthew McConaughey, and he's like, you're not gonna get our money. And, like, putting on lipstick and, <laughs> and doing, like, the I don't want to die scene. And it's just, like, so, like, okay. You know, there really isn't anything remarkable about Rayon as a character, but there's nothing really remarkable about any of the characters. It's not really that type of movie where things mean things. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, the trans aid patient is a AIDS patient. The Dallas drug dealer is literally Matthew McConaughey. The doctor is a doctor. It's all just as, I don't want to say naturalistic because it's not naturalistic, but it's cold and it's clinical and it's very matter of fact, you know? 
they're all just vessels for the dialogue and for the story of AZT is killing us. How am I going to get these drugs in the country? You know, right. and that's and that's it. And they're not the most well-developed characters, let's say. Right. I mean, I really, you know, and I said it already, like, I don't think it's a crime when a movie, you know, creates composite supporting roles in order to tell a story. But it shows in here that they're composite characters just because there's absolutely, like, no substance to them. Right. Right. You know, like, they had to make Rayon someone who was homeless, someone who was a sex worker, someone who was trans, someone who was part of the queer community, someone who did drugs. And I'm sure, like, there were a lot of people um, that were very different, you know, like, one but not the other. And not to say that, you know, like, like uh, transgender women were not prostitutes and doing drugs and not getting AIDS. It's not that. I'm just saying, you know, like they had to like get so many pieces together in order to make the movie as precise as possible. Same thing with Jennifer Gardner. They had to not only make her a doctor to kind of explain us the science, but also they had to make her a love interest in order for like us to not have an extra character in the film. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... You know, like, it really does, it, it shows. It does. But, you know, and there's also nothing wrong with a movie in which none of the characters are that remarkable and nuanced. I think it just means that 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 this movie, the characters are the vessel for the plot. It's not character-driven, which is kind of weird, though, that it's a movie that's, like, not really driven by the most interesting characters, and yet... It won two acting Oscars, you know? I think that's right. very, very interesting. And we'll get into that when we talk about Dahmer Snub. What do you like-like about this film? What do I like-like? Um, yeah. I mean, I like Matthew McConaughey in it. I think this is his best performance. I mean, honestly, he, he he's not really playing someone so different from himself, you know, a Texan dude. But I think his journey is, is pretty compelling. Um, I mean, I, 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 I definitely think that there are some cases where when an actor puts on a lot of makeup for a performance, the makeup does a lot of the work in the performance. And I would not say that this is one of them. I think Matthew carries a lot of it himself. Um, he does well in this because... Because Ron Woodruff is hardly a charitable man, and yet he's very wild, outrageous, and oftentimes very funny, you know, and very charismatic. And so I think that carries it for me. Um, What about you? What's my favorite thing? Uh, Okay, side note, it's not my favorite thing, but, like, I'm just, like, thinking of that moth scene in Mexico. I'm like, what is that? You know, like, I just think there's so much movie that it's just not told, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, at one point, he's like, I'm going to Israel. And then he's like, I'm going to Mexico. And at one point, he, like, goes to, like, somewhere in Asia. And I'm like, Mama, what's happening? <laughs> You're just getting on planes. Like, <laughs> um, I do, like, I'm, like, now I'm just, like, going back to the film and thinking, like, it really is, like, so much movie that is, like, not addressed. Yeah. Like, yeah. So much of the process of him getting contacts and getting the medicine across the border and, you know, like how many treatments he probably tried before getting starting to get better um, and that sort of stuff. Like, that's one part of the film. And, like, really, like, 
him coming to terms with his own mortality, him being open to queer people. Like, that's the whole, you know. What do I enjoy about this film? Uh... Anything? I mean, I do. I, this is the thing. I enjoy the film for what it is. It's just, it's just so... Kind of like you said, like, I, I think... I used to think that the movie was a little bit smarter yeah than what it is like i used to think that like this movie was had layers and it was about you know pain and it hinted at 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 the theme of of the pharmaceutical world being too big and the fda being all about politics but the movie keeps it so like small scale yeah that, like those things like are not really like addressed i think I'm, I'm, i mean and they're not part, compelling enough right they're not compelling enough because like here's the thing um and i think i've said it i'm a sucker for apes crisis films like they really make me emotional just because i'm like this could have been me this could have been my friends if we had been alive during the 80s this movie like it's impossible for me to see it because i'm like i'm not a fucking cowboy living in texas like i really do think that the movie is like so niche um that like for for queer people it's really hard to like see us and like again like i think that i keep referencing the normal heart whenever we do the AIDS crisis episodes or even like even in philadelphia like they show him being a son they show him being a partner right they show him right being a person at his work um Wait, so you can't relate to, like, gay Texas cowboy-type guys, but can you relate to Brokeback Mountain? Right, isn't that, isn't that the question? Um, <laughs> no, but, like, you know, like, I think that all other movies, all other AIDS crisis movies do an excellent job at, like, at least showing that one character that really gets into your head and being like, that could have been me. Right. That those could have been my friends mourning me. Those could have been my parents mourning me. Um, and this movie, it's like again, I go back to the character of Rayon. Like they just go so over the edge, like with the worst possible like case scenario. They only had to make her a person of color to like make her, you know, like even like even like more like marginalized by society. Yeah. Um, in order to like make the point. To the point that, like, I'm like, okay, like, so that's not me. Then we have the other character who is a homophobic, um, you know, sailor-mouthed um, drug smuggler, straight white man living in Texas. And I'm like, like, what am I supposed to get out of the film? Um, <laughs> at the same time, you know, like, it, it's not that, like, I'm looking to relate to every single movie that I watch. Um, and at, and I was going to say, the good thing, the, my favorite part of this film, I, I think about this very often when I think about feminine gaze and masculine gaze. I'm always like, at the end of the day, we, at the end of the day, we all like, are looking, are going after the same dick, you know? Um, and I like bring it to this situation, um, like, you know, at the end of the day, every, you know, no matter Rayon, no matter Ron, which are both opposite ends of the spectrum, they were in this bizarre situation and they make a very good point at being like at that point in time you know like these were people that had to work together in order to achieve a common goal that's believable that's the part of the movie that i'm like 
it's not even that I think that, like, at the end of the movie, like, Ron is nicer. Ron is, like, loves the gays. I don't think he's going to be Grand Marshal of <laughs> New York City Pride. But I do believe him being a businessman and being someone who, in order to preserve his life, was like, I got to do this. Yeah. And I got to I, I gotta partner with all these people, and I'm going to do the smart thing, and I cannot let my bigotry get in the way. And I, they do make, do, it doesn't feel inorganic that at the end, um, that at the end he ends up being friends with, with Rayon. Right. I believe it too. You know, they're in this for business. Although Rayon is in the movie a lot less than I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling like, it's it literally was so weird rewatching it. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I swear there's a director's cut somewhere. <laughs> Do we want to go into woulda, coulda, shoulda? Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Um, I'm scared. <laughs> I mean, Ron, you know, this is one of those things that I'm like, I don't I don't think we need an AIDS, like a person with AIDS with, in order to play a person with AIDS. Like, right. That I'm fine with. Um, Matthew McConaughey did, did the thing. And now it's the controversial casting of Jared Leto's Rayon. I'm going to be honest with you. If the actor don't playing... Don't get canceled. <laughs> no. Um, no, I'm just going to say it because I think that everyone knows this. That if the actor playing Rayon were trans, they would not have won an Oscar for this role. Oh, well, for sure. I think that they were deliberate in casting... A cisgender man. Yeah. A cisgender man in this role because... It's part of that sort of enjoyment of of seeing someone completely unrecognizable in a in a performance. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, they know that always gains sympathy and. Right. It's unfortunate. It's really bad. This this film came out in in twenty thirteen, and then um, it's really it's really interesting to see how we've evolved as as a society because i really do think that i i know that i may be wrong but i would like to think that right now like someone the casting director would like see Jared Leto showing up to the casting call and be like oh mama no go back <laughs> like that shit's not gonna fly um i would love to think that and you know it would happen again in 2015 with the danish girl right <laughs> um with Eddie Redmayne um who was very much like applauded for him as a cisgender man uh, playing a transgender woman um and it honestly like it keeps it keeps it's honestly insane that it keeps happening because i'm like how can you keep doing this even when we've like you know, driven the conversation to, like, uh, um, another stage in which, like, it's really much frowned upon. We still have, I believe the movie is, um, Sean Hayes stars in it, Lacey Susan, I think it's the name. Lacey um, Susan. Yeah. Sean Hayes plays a transgender woman. The movie came out in 2020. Oh, no. Um, and Sean! I mean, if it makes you feel any better, the film only has a 10% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and virtually no one saw it. Um, but even if the the person portraying 
Rayon would have been a gay man doesn't make it okay. The character of Rayon should have been portrayed by a trans woman, and there's no excuse for it. Period. You know, I don't. I don't think that's up for debate. No, I don't think it's up yeah. for debate at all. Yeah, I mean, it should have been played by a transgender woman. Sadly, do can I think of of many uh, transgender women who look like they weigh one hundred and twenty pounds, um, and they have been recognized in Hollywood as a great actress. I do not think so. Obviously, they are transgender women um, in Hollywood, which is amazing. Um, right now, we have uh, oh Laverne Cox. Got Candace Kane, <laughs> Trace Lisette, um, Alexandra Billings, and yet, in a way, like I really do think that it would have been like a, a throwaway to put Laverne Cox because she is the the most you know she's probably the most recognizable one yeah at, at this point in time. Like I really do think that it this person should have been an uh, uh, someone who fit the character and someone who. Because it's pretty easy to see with what we ended up with, with Leto, what they wanted the character to look like. Right. Um, so, I... But the thing is, if they... Because Rayon is a fictional character, if they really wanted Jared Leto in the movie, you know, they could have also made him play, perhaps... A gay man. Or, or a genderqueer character. Right? I mean... Or, I I don't know. <laughs> How could they, could they have rewritten the role around him if they were so enamored by him? Could they? I'm I'm not sure. Right, but then again, I'm telling you, this movie it, it's everything but anything but subtle. So they needed the character. I understand why they needed the character to be a transgender prostitute. Yeah junky right. with AIDS yeah. who dies at the end. You know, like, it's yeah. like... And it's honestly... And, and and I didn't say it at the beginning of our conversation, but, like, this is also a trend that in, in many of these movies that we have, the queer person with the tragic ending in order to elevate the straight person. Obviously, Ron Woodruff dies at the end, but... I, I don't say, think it's fair to say that Rayon dies to elevate Ron. <laughs> I would say so. I think it like, raises the stakes for Ron, but I don't think Mama, it elevates it's AIDS. Him. You don't think to, you don't need to raise the stakes. I know, but like, and yet, you know, the movie needed to pull some emotional punches. Yeah, and they couldn't do, and it needed to hurt him close to home. Right, it needed to hurry and close to home, and the sacrificial lamp is going to be... It's going to be... It's true. It's true. I it, I laugh happens. because it hurts too much to cry. It, it, it really... It happens a lot. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, happens in this movie. And again, you know, like, not to say... I would have shut the fuck up about it if this was a person that was a really good friend of Ron Woodruff, but it's a composite character. So, like, they yeah. only put her death in that moment in the script in order to be like, mm, you know, like, we got you. Um, <laughs> Cry now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, Dom or snub. Ready? Well, this movie oh. was a big Dom. Um, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. It made $55 million on a budget of $5 million. 
And I just want to say, honey, you can tell the movie was made for $5 million. It's well, very similar to, what, what was that movie that, like you said, had a budget of like $70? Um, well, I don't know. But I'm a cheerleader. But yeah. I'm a cheerleader? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this, this, this definitely has the feel of a low-budget movie, but it made $55 million off of that budget. It has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 93%, with an average score of 7.8 out of 10. It received six Oscar nominations, including Best Picture, Best Actor for Matthew McConaughey, Best Supporting Actor for Jared Leto, Best Original Screenplay, Best Editing, and Best Makeup and Hairstyling. It won three Oscars, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Makeup and Hairstyling. Yeah. That one, I think it's bullshit. Um, Which one? Uh, best All Makeup of them? and Hairstyling. <laughs> um, because, and this is the other PR story that Focus Features uh, really pushed for during award season, um, was that the um, makeup budget was virtually non-existent for this film, that in order to create like the wounds from the with the AIDS patients, what they had to do was to make a weird mixture with dye and um, oatmeal. And people were like, oh my god, mama, stunning. You are so crafty. You do the thing. And honestly, like that was the year of Jackass Presents Back Grandpa. And I don't like the movie, but the makeup is great. And then they had the Lone Ranger. Um, oh my god. And they weren't about to give an Oscar to Jackass or the Lone Ranger. Oh, the Lone Ranger. I mean, this is a film that had, with for all its faults, that year was the year of uh, The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog, um, The Hunger Games Catching Fire. Um, the Great Gatsby! Of, the, great, the Great, and Thor The Dark World, which is a shitty movie, but, you know, like, it's still, like, you know, if I was a makeup artist, like, working in the industry, I'd be like, they gave that fucking Oscar to that <laughs> shit? Like, you literally, all you did was, like, I don't know. Um, but in the acting categories, I think 2013 was definitely one of the most competitive years we've had yeah. in a while. I mean, Matthew McConaughey won against Leo DiCaprio. But again, all these people sweeped. Oh, they swept. Yeah, going, go, yeah, swept. They, going into going into Oscar night, we we knew, we knew that. Yeah, because they because Matthew McConaughey and Jared Leto had won every award all season long. Yeah. Um, although it it is a shame because I think that I was really pulling for Barkhad Abdi in Captain Phillips. I thought he was really good, and I really liked Jonah Hill in The Wolf of Wall Street. Um. For me, this is um, so a little little fun fact about myself is that I I'm not a huge fan of Leonardo DiCaprio, both his both performance wise and his celebrity persona, um, and I've never been sucked into the like Leo doesn't have an Oscar meme. I really do think that his performance in The Revenant is just like whatever. Um, it's very gimmicky, and I. But I think this 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 should have been the performance that gave him the Oscar. If we're gonna do like asshole white man, which I feel like that was the 
trend this year other than Chiwetel Ejiofor. Trend alert. Uh, yeah, literally, trend alert for that year was Matthew McConaughey as Ron, Christian Bale in American Hustle, Bruce Dern in Nebraska, and Leo DiCaprio in The Wolf of Wall Street. Like, if that was the trend that year, I mean, go with Leo DiCaprio. I mean, there's a reason to why fucking finance bros all around the country watch that movie, and they're like, ooh, dude, that's so cool. Um, no... New, no critical thinking skills to see that that's not what you're supposed to get out of the film. But whatever. That would have been my pick. And for Jared Leto, um, yes, that year had Picard Abdi for Captain Phillips, Bradley Cooper for American Hustle, Michael Fassbender for 12 Years a Slave, and Jonah Hill for The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, yeah, I would have gone with Jonah Hill. But also, for the longest time, I remember that year... That year also had Tom Hanks playing Walt Disney in Saving Mr. Banks. And I thought for sure, you know, America's dad, Tom Hanks, playing America's uncle, Walt Disney, that that would, like, be Oscar bait to the goal. I hate that film. Oh, really? Um, I like it. I really dislike it. It's literally, like, just show me Mickey Mouse masturbating in order to, like, show me how much Disney (laughs) jacks off to itself. Um, it's such a horrible film. And honestly, like, I really do hope that the, um, ghost of, what's her name? Travers. What's her? P.L. Travers. P.L. Travers. I hope the ghost of P.L. Travers haunts the writers of that movie. My God. Till the end. Like, what a fucking way to do character assassination. (laughs) That's, we're talking about Dallas Buyers Club. Um, It lost best screenplay to her. Great movie. Great screenplay. Great, Great screenplay. screenplay, yeah. Very much deserved. And it lost best editing to Gravity. I don't like Gravity, but I can see it. And it lost best picture to 12 Years a Slave. I don't like that film. I liked 12 Years a Slave. I liked most of the movies that this year, actually. That year, my pick, I'm telling you, I, do, I don't enjoy what the movie portrays, and I really find find it a shame that people watched that movie as a success story, which is, I would like to think that that's not what Scorsese wanted to do with no. Wall Street. Um, but The Wolf of Wall Street, I really, I, I, it's a long, tedious film, and I enjoyed all three hours of it. That would have been my pick that year. Oh, yeah. And I gotta say, you know, The Wolf of Wall Street is long, but this movie felt really long. It's a really long film. Um... I mean, it's two films, you know, cut together, so it makes sense. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, Matthew McConaughey has an Oscar. Good for her. Since then, um, he did The Crime Show. What's the name Oh, of yeah, the True, show? Uh, True Detective. True Detective. He did, around this time, is that he did uh, Lincoln. He also did the, um, the one with the mud. 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 It's um, called Mud, yeah. And that's that's where it ended. <laughs> and Jared Leto, since then, he has been in Suicide Squad and Blade Runner 2049. And... He's going to be in the upcoming uh, Justice League? Yeah. Oh, and he's going to play Andy Warhol in an Andy Warhol biopic. Yes, and he's also going to be Morbius or in the Morbius film that Sony's doing. Honestly, uh, that's kind of surprising. 
it's honestly weird how like it re- you know they do say it that get winning an Oscar is kind of a curse mm-hmm. um, because not like these people are starving but like this this might might have been it you know but both of them no no Matthew McConaughey is gonna be fine you know no I'm saying he they are both gonna gonna keep getting a lot of work but will we see them nominated again? I don't think so. Like, they're not choosing the projects that they're going to get. Like, what's that movie, Serenity? The one he did with Anne Hathaway. Oh, um, yeah. Serenity, yeah. 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 I, like, looked it up on Wikipedia. It's, like, a whole, like, thriller, but at the end of the day, it turns out that the twist is that they are all characters in a video game that a kid is playing. What? That for you. What? Um, it's really bad. But oh like, my you know, God. We, went, we went from Dallas Buyers Club to like Serenity. Um, and we went from, from Dallas Buyers Club to a two minute cameo for Zack Snyder's Justice League. So I, do, I really do think this was the, the height of their careers. Well, if, if that's the case, then I think that's all right, all right, all right. For people who don't know, what is what movie is that from? It's from Dazed and Confused. I've right? never seen. I've never seen that. Um, but you know uh, Matthew McConaughey. Like whenever they like, says like, all right, all right, all right. It, it's like, it's they, like it's a signature phrase. You know, they always ask me to say it. Um, yeah, I mean, is this is this movie? You know, no. No. <laughs> okay. No, plain and simple. <laughs> Thank you for joining uh, us. <laughs> I mean, if the, the t- if the title of the podcast was Is This Movie a Portrayal of the Failed Practices of the FDA? Um, that could be an interesting podcast. Is this is <laughs> side effects, <laughs> contagion, um, uh, Dallas Buyers Club, and I'm sure many. Oh, and the band played on. I'm sure there's many others. But no, that's not the movie. It's this movie, you know, going to make your parents feel better about you being queer? Probably not. No. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> is this movie, you know, a positive portrayal of queer people? Also, no. Not to say that, you know. No. <laughs> getting, you know, not to say that if you happen to have HIV, or if you happen to be a drug user, you are a horrible person, or that makes you, you know, it's a negative portrayal. No, I'm just saying, you know, they really had to go with all the negative that they could think of in order to make a point. So, um, do I think this movie is, you know? I do not. Well, that was a very long-winded way of just saying no. But I still think it's worth watching because it has a very interesting place in film history and in Oscars history. You know, I'm, I'm not sure how history will remember this film 10 years from now. I wonder if they're going to think of it the same way that we did tonight. Maybe. I mean, hope so. Is, <laughs> is this like, it could be like Mickey Rooney in Breakfast with Tiffany. Oh my God. Um... I don't know if it'll be seen as that offensive. Um, I I honestly think it's pretty offensive. It 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 uses someone's you know gender expression as a costume. Because one thing it's it, 
you know, I kind of see what you were saying. Like, what if the character had been genderqueer? That's one thing. But they very obviously wanted to portray a trans woman. Right, right. And then again, they they did not go subtle with it. So, um, And also, to be clear, I'm not saying that it's any better if the character were genderqueer, but it would be a different conversation right. that we would be having <laughs> um, about the casting. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 not. Well, stay tuned for tops and bottoms. Tops and bottoms. What are your tops and bottoms? So I I guess I've been living under a rock because I knew that CBS All Access had been a thing, but apparently Viacom's CBS has announced that they're really going to be doing a push to their new streaming service, Paramount Plus. Like, dozens of new projects, shows, like TV shows, films, documentaries, specials are all going to be on Paramount Plus, and um, a bunch of things from Nickelodeon, MTV, Comedy Central, Showtime, BET, VH1 are all going to be on Paramount+. Plus. Um, I'm just like, there are too many. I have Netflix. I've got Disney+. Plus. I've got Hulu. I've got Apple TV. I've got HBO Max. I don't, I don't want to get fucking Peacock. I have Amazon Prime. And ugh, Paramount Plus, really? Damn, you got everything. <laughs> I only fucking pay for Netflix. Well, 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 I don't pay for all of it. <laughs> um, the only thing I... Per- well, anyway. But it's, it's funny because I feel like Paramount has always been, and, and, I, and I feel bad for saying this, but I feel like in recent years, media-wise and in the movie industry, Paramount has kind of lagged behind the other studios in terms of box office and whatnot. So I think it's interesting that they're leaning into... I will say when, into... they, when, they have, when they have a win, they win big. That's true. Yes. 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 But they also have a lot of misses. But, um, but they're really leaning into their TV properties for this, um, for this new streaming service. Um, and it's... it's um... Come on, let's do it. Let's think of 10 properties that will drive service. Well, um, okay. You start. Um, the... the... Avatar the Last Airbender. Okay. Um Track Race. Um A Quiet Place. <laughs> um Colbert. Oh yeah. Um wait, does mm, but does this mean that they're gonna take South Park off of HBO Max? I thought South Park was in Hulu. See, this is the problem with these things. It's that like, you can never keep up. It's um, true. <laughs> well, well, because South, South Park is a Comedy Central show, but earlier last year, it they premiered it on HBO Max, all like right. 20, 20 odd seasons. It's really going to be interesting what moves to exclusively Paramount Plus because I know for a fact, and I wish I didn't have to. Um, admit to this, but I watch all of Madam Secretary um, on Netflix, so I I don't know if like that would be exclusive. I know Good Wife was in Amazon Prime for the longest time. I don't know if it's still there. Um, which is an amazing show, and everyone should watch it. Um, I know that 
um, you know, Drac Race is still on VH1, and you can watch it on VH1 if you have a cable login. Um, but they do have some, like, hot properties. Um, if you're into, like, Jersey Shore, they came out with um, an adaptation of Stephen King's The Stand. Um, they have a spinoff of The Good Wife, The Good Fight, which it's excellent. Um, oh, they're going to do the reboot of Frasier. And, like, honestly, that has me excited because I love tossed salads and scrambled eggs, baby. Quite stylish. I don't get the reference. I'm not white. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I love Fraser. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not white, and I'm not 55. Um, <laughs> but also, like, um, Drag Race is going to... Um, is probably going to move there. Like, I heard that All-Star 6 is going to be exclusively on Paramount Plus. Right. Um, guess we're gonna have to pay. Yeah. And, and, um, so 45 days after Paramount releases leave theaters, they will be available to stream. So, A Quiet Place Part 2, Mission Impossible 7, um, and under a new output deal with MGM's network Epics, the Lady Gaga movie House of Gucci, uh, Creed 3, and No Time to Die will also head to Paramount plus after their theatrical runs i mean work yeah um, i just ugh, i just <sighs> i know i mean i i mean it's so many <laughs> let's i think it's so easy it's easier to like name 10 services let's go <laughs> netflix disney netflix, plus hulu. okay netflix hulu disney plus stars hbo max hbo max apple um, tv apple tv showtime Showtime. Crack. Uh, uh, what's any crackle? Crackle. Tubi. Tubi. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I will count YouTube bread. Voodoo. Um, vo- I guess Voodoo counts. Wow Presents Plus. Wow Presents Plus. <laughs> the Peacock. only one we need, Peacock. Duh. Um, There's a lot. There are, there are so many. There's also that one about, like, oh, oh um, Shudder. Shudder, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's like a lot. There's like a lot, a lot, there's a lot. There's so lot. many, and, it and really, this is and like I feel like this is gonna. I feel like there's no more room in the industry after Paramount joins. You right. know, because there's only so much content. Yeah, I mean, listen. What percent's plus for people who don't know? It's a production company in Fruitless Track Race, and they have a um, subscription service. Um, that I think it's four dollars a month. Yeah, it's four dollars a month, and you access a lot of Drag Race bonus content, and you also can watch the international editions of Drag Race. So Drag Race Holland, Drag Race um, Thailand, Drag, Drag Race, Race UK, Drag Race UK, Drag Race Canada, um, and um, we're gonna have um, Drag Race Donanda from Australia. And uh, was that, was that Ra- your Australian accent? That's my Australian accent. <laughs> and uh, Drag Race Spain. Um, and it might not seem like much, but like, you know, like I remember when, when the service came out, it was like, it's just a cup of coffee per month. And like, when you put it like that, it's very rare. I am the weirdo that does this, like that I have Netflix year round. But what I have heard that some people do, and like a lot of... I, 
I've got to complain. I don't have, I have a lot of subscription services, like, passwords from other people, but I don't myself pay for these. But, like, all these people, it's not that they do, like, two months and then cancel and then two months and then cancel. You know, like, it's people that have these services year-round. However, I don't, I, I don't think that the model, the business model was never meant, I mean, it's meant to, you know, for you to stay the year, the whole year. Right. But, like, we do that out of laziness. Right. Because there are months where, like, I really won't start something uh, new. Um, I just have it to browse or, like, to, like, you know, like, have background noise. <laughs> exactly, so exactly. I, th I think that the smarter thing to do, and, and, and this is going to be a shift in consumer behavior, it's just going to be, like, while, uh, you know, Drag Race is coming, and I know that that is two months, I'm going to have to, like, suck it up and pay for the two months and then cancel. I know. I know, yeah, and and that's what's kind of annoying is that is that Drag Race is on VH1, but not all of it's on VH1. Some of it's on WoW Presents Plus, and now some of it is going to be on Paramount Plus, presumably. Right, and 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 a lot of and a lot of it it's also in Prime, and 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 some part of it it's on Hulu. So, yeah, it's it's um, it's a mess. But like, here's here's what I'm what I'm saying. It's that like because we got to decide if it's the top or bottom. I think it's a bottom that we're getting yet another subscription service and i've always said it that like we were going to end up right at the beginning you know when netflix came out was like you're not going to have to depend on cable anymore because you're going to have so much content available for you at the, at, at your feet and you're going to be able to watch it whenever wherever and you can choose what you want to see and it doesn't really have to do with what your schedule looks like and that was a selling point for netflix and it worked out for a long time and now we're going kind of back to the cable model that they send you, like, bundles of, like, you know, like, doing the sports, doing the HBO, doing all the, you know, yeah, you get yeah. channels that you don't need. But still, the main difference with cable keeps on being you can pick and choose when to stop. Um, right. And, and ads. Ads are right. different. And am I annoyed that I'm probably going to have to spend... Uh, uh, for, like, something for a couple months? Yes. You know, like, the crazy thing is that we're not bound to a one-year contract. I mean, right, there are plans right. for that. But we're not bound to, to like, a, a one-year contract. So we shouldn't. You know, this really does... And I, I really I it offers It offers the opportunity to change our behavior as a consumer. And, you know, the, the reason to why Netflix is, you know, like, coming out with... And a movie, a different movie per week, even if they're shitty. And the reason why HBO Max is distributing all of their movies in their streaming service when they hit theaters, it's because they don't want you to leave. But like, right. just remember, you can, you can, you can't. You're, you, like, you're you, allowed you, to leave. You're allowed to leave. <laughs> um, so I think in that regard, I, I like, I want to be optimistic for once and say this is a top that we are getting more content because I really do like to see. I, I do love some of the content that they have. Oh, the Twilight Zone. I love watching the Twilight Zone. Girl, it just on... canceled. What? They just canceled it. What? Yeah, the one on CBS All Access, they just canceled Girl. it. Girl. 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 It wasn't that great. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's... it's uh, I like the idea of content creating, and we've... We're coming out of a time where creators and actors and screenwriters have been suffering, and hopefully this brings opportunity. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I do think it's a top. I'm just tired 
I just, uh, there's so many, and like, but I guess another good part of it is also that, you know, um, so the service is launching um, on March 4th, and it's going to be $10 a month, but they're coming out with a, a cheaper ad-supported version that will be available in June for $5 a month, and I think that if I were to just get the $5 ver- version for two months so I can watch Drag Race, I mean, as long as they don't, like, draw it out the way that season 13 has been drawn out, I think I'll be fine, you know? It's just a changing landscape, and yeah. we gotta keep up with it. True. I, 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 okay, you know what the bottom is? The bottom is that it's a lazy name. Paramount Plus. <laughs> Paramount Plus. Like, that's, that's the bottom. But other than that... um. Tell us what you're going to watch and in, in, in Paramount Plus. And also, um, just to put out there, um, today in our episode, we talked about um, a trans character, Rayon. I just want to put out there that neither Fernando nor I are trans. And if you are trans and you are listening, we would love to hear your thoughts on Rayon, on Dallas Buyers Club, on the industry in general. You know, let us know what what you think because we cannot speak for you right and we yeah we don't pretend to and 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 yeah i mean this is this is only our perspective from what we perceive as a movie that has been perceived as a queer film and yet you know we are aware that we cannot speak for trans people who are the ones being portrayed and and in our opinion wrongly um as allies, um, but we do not have all the answers, so if you would like to chat, let us know. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. Yeah. All right. Good night. Good night, everyone.